Welcome to Dr. Oklahoma, a podcast that shines a light on uniquely Oklahoman health challenges and situations by chatting with integrous medical professionals who live here, work here, and are willing to lend their time and expertise to all of our listeners. Today we have with us an advanced practice nurse, Jerry Hargrave from the Integris Downtown Family Care. Jerry, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Things get very hot here in Oklahoma in summertime, don't they? Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> Is there a spike in the number of people that come to come to see you with heat-related illnesses? There's quite a few. How do we know when we're suffering the first symptoms, the first signs of, of heat exhaustion or dehydration? What should we look for in ourselves? So with heat exhaustion, you're going to feel like cold, pale, clammy skin. You have a real fast pulse rate, and sometimes you'll have muscle cramps in the back of your legs or, or even in your arms, and you'll just start feeling a bit of weakness, dizziness, headache. That's when, if you can, move to a cool place, put on cool, wet cloths on your body, especially around your neck, sip cool water, and just stay down for a few minutes. Stay cool. Hydrated. Some people think that that means any kind of fluid, but avoid sugary beverages. You know, the main thing is water, 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 water. That can, if you continue to work outside and and don't heed those symptoms, it can lead to a heat stroke, which is your pulse gets even faster and you pass out, you start vomiting, nausea, and high temperatures. So that's when 911 is called. Okay, so, so, so by the time you get to that point, you really should be in hospital. Correct, correct. Some people just aren't accustomed to working or exercising in a hot environment because we work indoors all the time. So they need to start slowly and pace themselves, you know, when they are exercising in the heat. And if out in the heat their heart starts to pound and they start feeling their heart racing and they're gasping for breath and they just don't feel right, almost like weakness, then they need to stop the activity and right then and there get into a cool, shady area or go in the house for a little while. And what about the elderly or the infirm? I mean, are the rules even more stringent for them? Correct. They are. They are. I tell them, usually on my patients that are fit that age group, is if you want to work in your yard, that's fine, but do it early morning. Pick the right time. Stay cool. Do it in little spurts. Don't just do it until you think you have to, you know, finish a two-hour job. You know, do it a little bit, go in, sit down, have something to drink, rest, get cool, and then you go back out. I always tell them to wear light-colored, lightweight clothing. And there's a lot now that you can buy that's 50 SPF that even helps with um, not only sun but the cool rays. Let's talk a little bit about um, about the the bugs and the problems that these the, that the bugs bring us at this time of year. We've got mosquitoes, we've got ticks. Um, we're okay. we're we're all very busy ensuring that our pets don't get fleas or ticks or bitten by anything. But are we taking good enough care of ourselves when it comes to mosquitoes and ticks? Well, let's start with Lyme. Is that okay? Sure. Okay, with Lyme, you know, it was first described uh, years ago with Lyme arthritis, so that kind of lets you know the symptoms. The early symptoms are fatigue and they hurt all over. They have a headache and a lot of muscle aches with it. And people think they have the flu when they have it. But the difference from Lyme and the flu is that you have a rash called erythema migrans. It's like a bullseye rash. So if you have a tick bite and you have a little bump or redness that occurs immediately, 
and it kind of resembles a tick bite or it's kind of around the tick bite real small, that irritation usually goes away in one to two days and it's not a sign of Lyme. That's just from the tick saliva. Right. But if you have a rash that, you know, expands gradually over a period of days and some of them reach 12 inches, I mean, and it literally looks like a bullseye, wow. has a bullseye appearance then that could mean that you have Lyme. And it can lead to, later on, you can have severe symptoms like severe headaches and uh, severe arthritis and even central nervous problems with your heart, like Lyme carditis can affect the heart. So with Lyme, there is antibiotics of choice that we give for 21 days to help with it. The main thing is prevention to make sure if you know you're going to be going outdoors and you're going to be going in the grassy, brushy, wooded areas where ticks love to harp, then you need to make sure that you prepare yourself. Treat your clothing, your gear with repellent, and that has to be reapplied. And ticks often are carried into the house. So like on your backpack, if you go hiking and you just set your backpack down, you have to Make sure you look over everything really good and carefully examine, you know, your coat and your socks and your backpack because it can harbor there and then it can transfer to another person. What is the latest methodology for removing ticks? I think there's always seems to be different methods and people say you should do it this way and you should rub salt on it or you should put a flame oh, to I know. it. What, what is the best way? Back in the old days, we just kind of, you know, pulled it off and crushed it with our fingers, and that's an absolute no-no now. You use fine-tipped tweezers and grasp the tick as close to the skin surface as possible, and then pull upward with a steady, even pressure, not to twist it or jerk it. Because if you do, the parts of the tick can remain in the skin and can make you sick. And then after we remove the tick, to make sure you never crush it with your fingers, Dispose of the live tick by putting it either in alcohol or placing it in a sealed bag or just wrap it real tight with uh, scotch tape or, or duct tape uh, or even flush it down the toilet. Just make sure it's dead, but don't use your hands to squeeze it. Interesting. Tell me a little bit about Rocky Mountain spotted fever. What should we look at for as far as that is concerned? It's kind of the same symptoms. You know, it's nonspecific signs and symptoms, so you have to be real keyed to investigating if you pulled off a tick and all. It's almost like viral. Their fever, headache, you know, I just don't feel good. But the main thing is, again, is if we can just prevent getting it as much as we can. Prevention is key, it seems. That's right. That's right. You know, sometimes there's a presumptive diagnosis of Rocky Mountain that they make based on the signs and symptoms a patient has. And treatment is usually initiated within five days of the symptoms because it can lead to other things later on in life. So we, we have to make sure everybody's looking themselves over real good when they come from outside, like a grassy, woody area, especially looking in places that ticks like to go, like in the belly button and in the hairline, around the waistline, the belt line, things like that, that, you know, sometimes we just, you get in the shower and you don't look at all those areas, but look at them real good so you know that you have a tick or not. Now, what about mosquitoes? We, we hear a lot about West Nile. We see the counts each year on the, on the news as to how many cases of West Nile are in Oklahoma and in various surrounding states. Talk a, bit, a little bit about avoiding mosquitoes and then also the, the risk of West Nile and what to look for, perhaps, if you're unlucky enough to catch West Nile. Sure, sure. Well, on the symptoms of West Nile, sure do resemble flu-like symptoms. They are like a headache, body ache, joint pain, Sometimes they'll have nausea, vomiting, and like one in 10 people, we get those symptoms. And then one in 150 will get the severe, you know, central nervous system symptoms like it can lead to high fever and horrible headache and neck stiffness and 
um, tremors, muscle weakness, and, and even coma. So there are levels of West Nile, are there? You, you, you can Correct. have West Nile Correct. and recover quite well, or you can have West Nile and have the very serious version. Correct. And the diagnosis is through the West Nile-specific antibody that's detected either from the serum, either from blood, or from spinal fluid. But the thing that makes it hard is there's no vaccine and no specific antiviral for it. So it's really imperative that because we just treat the symptoms, if they have nausea, give them nausea medicine. If they have headache, give them something for that. If they're dehydrated, we give them fluids. There's no specific antiviral. Their big thrust is on prevention. So the main thing that I would really encourage is to really watch mosquito habitats. Like, I love to have a bird bath. Well, I have to make sure that I change out my water in my bird bath every week or two times during the week right. because they love standing water. So if you eliminate any standing water, like in rain gutters or old tires or buckets or any containers, bird baths, or even wading pools, that becomes a potential mosquito breeding ground. So right. make sure that's um, changed. And if you know that you're going to be going into a high-risk area that you already know that you're going hiking and there's mosquitoes and blah, blah, blah then you need to wear a long sleeve shirts, unfortunately, and right. long pants and socks and have the shirt tucked in the pants and the pants in the socks to cover any gaps where clothing where the mosquitoes might get into your skin. But prevention's the key. Applying, um, like there's all sorts of repellents that you apply to the exposed skin, and you can even apply it to the clothing and reapply. The main thing is just like the sunscreen. You know, some people think they just put the repellent on one time and go on, but you have to reapply it. And some of them say every up to every four hours. So it depends on which one you're using. But the main thing with the mosquitoes is if we can prevent and we can use some kind of repellent to help us and, and make sure that we don't come in contact with that. Excellent. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for helping us out today with your summer survival techniques for Oklahoma in this heat. <laughs> You're welcome. You're more than welcome. It's my pleasure. Y'all stay safe. And to our listeners, join us next time where we'll be busy getting a doctor's advice on how to stay healthy so we can continue living and loving life in our great state right here on Dr. Oklahoma.